I wonder if you can this morning just appreciate our musicians and just give them a really good round of applause. If I show you our set list for this morning, you'll know we really didn't stay on script. And it's because of amazing musicians that are not only gifted and have worked really hard and know the songs that they can at any moment change a song and play something that they didn't even rehearse or prepare but it's also that we have these amazing people that are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just want to do what the Lord leads them and that we have unity within our teams so that we can move together and see God do just something beautiful like He did this morning. And I just want to recognize these guys for the hard work they do and our, our sound guys that all make it all possible so that they, they, they go along. And uh, our media people, everybody, we're just so thankful. And especially on this day where it's, uh, you know, Mostly everybody's away and taking a break, so really appreciate all our volunteers that are serving here this morning. Over this holiday time, we went down to the area where we normally go, and there's a section of road that we've ridden before, but um, there was a bit of a landslide, and, and at some point they de- deemed the road is not safe to drive on, so they actually closed a section of road. And, um, but it, it was a quite a beautiful uh, sort of little pass um, and uh, for about five years, we haven't ridden on this road. And over this holiday time, we, we thought, hey, we're going to try and see if you can actually get in and, and drive a little bit down the road. So a little bit naughty. Uh, I didn't say that in public now, did I? Just nobody, you know. But so, so we decided we're going to take a little bit of a, a trip down this road. There's no cars that drive on the road anymore, um, and there's hardly anybody. So we went down this road, and it was quite amazing. It, you had this feeling of being in a place after people have left. Because what was starting to happen over the last five years is this road's been closed, and obviously nobody's maintaining it, looking after it. The plants have started growing, and this sort of two-lane road has now become a one-lane road because the plants are coming from both sides and just reclaiming the road. And uh, everywhere, it's just sort of nature. And it was beautiful. And as we were driving down this road, we... Uh, we were fine, obviously. We got through, and it was just an amazing thing to see as, you know, people have moved on and how things are changing. But it became very obvious to us that they're not planning to ever reopen this road because they've just left it. And it would cost a lot of money to, re, you know, be able to get this road to a place where it's prepared and ready and people can actually safely drive on it. And it just sort of closed down. But unfortunately... As we got home, it wasn't only in that place that the plants were reclaiming the space, but also in our own garden. How many of you were away for a period of time when you got home, you said, what happened here? And your plants and everything just grows, and you can see that there's been nobody around, and how things can change when we don't keep our hand on it. And this is due to a principle, and I've spoken about this a couple of years ago, so some of you will remember this. Um, this is due to the principle that is in science called entropy. It's the second law of thermodynamics that states the following. In a closed system, the quality of matter or energy deteriorates over time. Without outside influence, things will move from order to disorder. Have you seen that in life? Without influence, things move from order to disorder. Have you seen that in your home? Have you seen that in your family? Just if you leave things to itself, 
They don't organize, they become disorganized. And this is one of those strange laws that really make the whole belief in the theory of evolution very difficult. Because nothing in nature, as we see it today, moves from disorder to order by itself. Yet that's what the whole evolution theory states. That things left to itself designed, organized, and formed order. But we don't see that around us today. When you leave your car parked outside for a year, you don't come back and it's polished and shined and looking good. And then you say, wow, isn't that a wonderful how nature looked after my car? You immediately say, who did this? Who polished my car for me? Because you know it takes intervention to bring order out of disorder. In the natural state of things, like that road, like our garden, things will move from order to disorder. Say that. Order to disorder. Order to disorder. And it's not only true, I think, in nature, but it's true in our hearts and in our minds also. For our hearts and minds to be healthy, to be strong, to be moving forward, to be growing, to be, you know, resilient, takes work. It takes intervention. It takes actions from our side. You don't just leave your heart and your mind and it just becomes better all by itself. It takes intervention. It, it requires somebody to do something. And I want to talk about this a little bit today because this is such an amazing time of the year. Natasha and I, we were walking in the holiday one day and just thinking about this past year and being thankful for so many things. And, and she commented on how, isn't it amazing that the psychological influence it has on us when a year starts coming to an end and the inherent feeling in us of being able to end something and there's a hope in us for something new. And we know it's psychological and we know calendars are you know, let's, we're all reasonable people. We know the 1st of January is going to be very similar to the 31st of December. It's not like everything changes wholesale. But yet, isn't it amazing that God in His wisdom instituted rhythms to life? There's daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, monthly rhythms, annual rhythms. And, you know, for every four years we have a, a different rhythm as we've put our calendar. But there's significant moments and times... And this is one of those times where for so many people we, we, we come to an end and we, we want to restart moving forward. It's, I, I'm always so grateful that I live in the Southern Hemisphere because our academic years and our calendar years all end the same time. You know, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere, their academic year starts in August roundabout and runs to sort of June somewhere, if I'm correct. And uh, so a new year can start academically halfway through a year. But for us, it's all nicely coordinated. God is in the Southern Hemisphere. Amen. <laughs> you know. Amen. This is how it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, it's amazing for many people that something has ended and now something new starts. But how do we make sure that we are consistently making use of these opportunities so that we do move forward and maximize an opportunity. I don't know if you're in the habit of, of making New Year's resolutions, and I know many people are cynical about it, and generally we're cynical about it because we fail so miserably at it. But I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a good thing to start the year and to say, okay, 
What are the new things that I want to do in this year? It's also a good idea to end the year and just say, what are the things that I don't want to continue on with in the next year? Amen? And that's what I want to talk a little bit about, so that we don't have entropy that comes into our lives, where our lives just one day rolls into the next, and before you know it, your life has become overgrown, and there's, and there's disorder where there was supposed to be order. And we know God is a God of order. So I want to suggest three things to you that I want to say will be good for you to do in this period of time, whatever this period of time is for you. You know, as this year comes to an end, and uh, you may even want to come and do that, these things at the uh, midnight service that we'll have at 11 o'clock tomorrow night, but, uh, or, Mon yeah, it's tomorrow night, Monday night, if, or, or later during this week, or in this month, or at our time of prayer and fasting, or whatever. But there's three things that I think is vital for us to do every so often in our lives to make sure that, that we don't have disorder encroaching into our lives, but that we continue to grow in the order of God in our lives. And the first one is clean up. Clean up. Every now and then, how many of you know you have to clean up? Do some spring cleaning. Just sort stuff out. We have a windy house in our garden. How many of you have a windy house? A windy house is a wonderful thing. But inside that windy house, stuff happens that I don't know how it's possible. Because every year I have to clean out that windy house. It's stuff. It's just stuff. I don't know where it comes from. You see, but because what happens during the year is because we're busy, Life is going on, lots of stuff happening. Sometimes, you know, what you put in the window house is you put the things in the window house that you don't need all the time. But every now and then you need them. And then unfortunately, they're always underneath something else. And then you're in a rush. So what do you do? You go into the window house, you just rip out whatever's on top of it, put it on the floor, take what you need, go use it, but then you're in a rush. So when you go put it back, you don't put it in its place and repack everything, you just sort of put it next to the other things. Amen? Anybody else have that kind of behavior? If you don't have a windy house, think of your study or think of under your bed or think of wherever you store your stuff. And we do this. And before you know it, it's like somebody moved in there and order has regressed into disorder. Because we're busy people, this happens. So every year... December time, when we come back from vacation, I know one of the first things I have to do is sort out the Wendy house. So there's always two of my children that have the privilege of doing this with me. <laughs> Father-son time, quality time. They're the muscle, I'm the brains. I say what must go where, but they need to carry it out. So this week, yesterday and the day before, we actually unpacked most of the Wendy house, looked through things, asked Natasha's advice about what does she really still think she's going to use somewhere in the foreseeable future. I'm not saying anything by saying that. And then decide what needs to be thrown away and how do we repack so that we can bring order back to disorder. And the way to do that is you have to clean up every now and then. So it is in our own hearts. There's times when we have to clean up. Because as we're busy, and as life's going on, and we're dealing with the pressures of every day, there's little things that slip in and just start finding a home in our hearts. So often little habits develop. 
little shortcuts that we do. I've, I've noticed that when I, when I get really busy and, 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 and stressed out and rushed from one place to the next, my stopping at stop streets take a, you know, take a little bit of a toll in that I don't stop quite as dead as I should. And that's a little bad habit that every now and then when it comes to a time and, and, I, and I slow down, I go, okay, I need to clean up. I need to get rid of this bad habit and, and address this. What are little bad habits that perhaps over this year has crept into your life? What are specifically, if I can be so harsh as to call it, sins that have found a little crack and have started encroaching? I love the way the writer of Hebrews describes sin. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, this well-known verse, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw, every, let us throw off everything that hinders and that the sin that so easily entangles. That so easily entangles. You see, when we're not paying attention, when, we, when we're preoccupied, it's so easily that sin, like a, like a creeping vine, starts finding its way into your life. You know those vines that grow on trees that are like parasitic? That'll grow and they'll eventually start taking all the life out of the tree. That's what sin is like. That's a, a picture in my mind of what sin does. Sin comes and it quietly just, while we're distracted and busy with other things, uh, and the pressure is on us, some of the, the stuff in our hearts just starts surfacing. And before we know it, a, a little vine has taken and it starts entangling. It starts stealing away, stealing life. And, and we must not fool ourselves that though it may be quiet that it's come in slowly, and though it's a little vine that's, that's found a place and it's starting to, we must always remember that sin destroys. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fresh, fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. There's a war against your soul. And the way the enemy wages that war is he doesn't often come confronting you right from the front. Most of his, he does confront us red on sometimes, but a lot of the time, the way he comes is quietly, distracts us here, and then something else comes in, in the side door. And a little thing comes into our lives, and it starts entangling and when that starts happening, one of the signs that you'll see of the enemy's activity is disorder starts coming into our lives. And things start becoming difficult. Things become frustrated. One of the major things the enemy does is he just frustrates. He comes into our lives and he, and he just makes things difficult. He puts pressure. He's that little vine that just starts wrapping around the tree and starts squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and stealing life. And he does it so slyly and so slowly that you don't often realize it. How often have we seen it? Where it happens to a, 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 a people or a person or a community of faith where the enemy comes in and he starts working quietly and slowly and you don't recognize it because it's so subtle. Until it gets broken and then you suddenly go, wow, I've been living in a fog. I've been living in a mist all this time. I couldn't see clearly because of this entanglings of the enemy. And this is a great time for us to say, Lord, I want to clean up. 
I want to clean up. I want to stand against. I want to take hold. I want to move from disorder into order. One of the great problems of disorder, inner disorder in our lives, when we start feeling like, like we don't quite know what's going on, and it, is, it opens us up for things like depression. Because everything starts becoming difficult, and it starts feeling like, yes, life is just hard, man. Why is everything against me? And then, and then feelings of hopelessness starts coming, and, and feelings, and, and you're struggling. You don't know why, and you don't know what to do about it, but then these feelings of anxiety, fear, depression starts finding a home in our hearts. Just all because the enemy is putting pressure. And you know, it becomes a bit of a cycle. So when I start feeling these feelings of confusion and frustration and, and, and fear, then I start acting and that increases the entanglement. And so he works. But it's in times like these where we can clean up. Where we can stand up and say, okay, Lord, I want to act. I want to be active in this situation. Help me to clean up. I love the way the Lord described it to Cain. How sin was working in his life. Remember when Abel and Cain was having his prob the problem with Abel? And the offense was starting to build in his heart and he was starting to feel jealous about his brother. In, in Genesis 4 verse 7, it says the following. God said to Cain, he said, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. This is the great thing we have, that Jesus Christ has come and died on the cross. He has taken away the power of sin and death, and He has given us the ability to rule over sin. That if we are people of the Spirit, we are not ruled by the flesh, but we can rule the flesh. We can rule the sins of our lives. Sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes it's, it's really tough because it takes, like cleaning up the Wendy House, I wish I could sit in my lounge and speak to the Wendy House. Show it a picture of what it should look like. And then just say, do it! And Mary Poppins appears. And supercatafragilistic expialidocious. Boom! Hey, wouldn't that be wonderful? But how many of you know I have to go upstairs, put on my old trousers with my old t-shirt with holes in, put on my shoes, get my children motivated, and off we go, and it's dust, and it's dirt, and it's terrible, and it's hot in a windy house. We have no air conditioners in ours. We're not, you know, those people. We don't even have a window. It's a tin roof. It's hot. It's a terrible way to spend your time. But if you don't do it, it just keeps on creeping. And so often it is the same way with us. We have to take moments where we say, Lord, I've, I just recognize that there's been things that has been encroaching, creeping. And I need, to, I need to spend time with you and get a plan. How do I rule over this stuff in my life so that it will not rule over me? Clean up. Clean up. And the great thing is, 
You've been empowered. You've been enabled by the Spirit of God. And He does the cleaning up with you. But He won't do it on His own, and you can't do it on your own. It's the two of you together. He's the brains. You're the muscle. Or the other way around. I don't know. But one of you says, this is how it's going to be, and the other one has to do it. I think we're the muscle. He's the brains. He says, this is what I have for your life. This is what order. This is the picture. Now you need to work to get it there. And you work in His strength to clean up. So the first one is clean up. The second one is sort out. Now sometimes this order that has moved to disorder, not because of wrong things or bad things that have come in, but just because good things aren't in the right place. Good things aren't where they're supposed to be. Good things have, have been put in the wrong place. There's, there's, no, there's no structure. There's no order anymore. And sometimes in our lives, if we want to take hold of our lives and make sure that we're moving forward, it just means that we clear, after we've cleaned up, there's also some sorting out to do. What must go where? As you will know, we've got four sons. And I can tell you, four sons generate a lot of dirty washing. They, I mean, so in our house, we don't have time during the week to sort the washing. It gets washed, it gets ironed, and then it gets packed on a shelf, all the clothes and all the socks and underwear and other things get thrown in a basket. So Sundays, it's generally my privilege to sit on the floor on my backside and sort the clothing out. Because for some other reason, I'm the only one in the house that knows everybody's socks and whose belongs to what. Perhaps because I'm the one that buys it, I don't know. But I'm the only one. I'm so often arguing with him. This is your underpants. No, it's not my underpants. It is your underpants. No, it's not my underpants. I bought this underpants for you. You were with me when I bought it for you. No, it's not my underpants. Just because you haven't worn it for six months doesn't mean it's not your underpants. It's your underpants. My children aren't here, so they don't tell them I'm telling you. So I sit and I sort. I make piles. I take all the clothes, and then I'll say, okay, this is that one, and I put it all in piles for them. I'll say, these are your shirts. I've put them all here. I've, they've all been folded. Here they are. These are your socks. These are your underwear. These are your I put them in little packs for them, and I say, now just take it to your room and go pack it away neatly. If I come into your closet and these things are not packed away neatly, I will murder you. <laughs> I have brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And you think I'm joking. <laughs> because right now, over this, I iron. Man. And then I have to go through the socks and, and find which sock doesn't have a Mikey anymore. Which sock's friend deserted them and there was a divorce in the family and now there's only one sock left. And, and which, you know, okay, I shouldn't go there. But I have to sort it out. How many of you know if there's chaos in the, with the washing, it doesn't help to take it all, throw it away, and go buy new ones. That doesn't solve the problem. You have to sort it out. And so it is in our spiritual lives. We have to continuously make sure that the right things are in the right places, in the right order. Because again, if we don't do that, this confusion starts setting in. And you will be amazed how small little decisions that should be easy to make become very difficult to make. How often do we spend time looking for our keys? How many of you suffer from that malady? Looking for keys. And your friends always buy you these key holders, clever key holders, and you clap your hands and it goes, beep, 
Oh, there's my keys. I've got a surefire solution for you. Find one peg in your house and always hang your keys on that peg and you will not look for them. I know people that say, why am I spending half my life looking for things? And I always have to bite my tongue and say, because you never put them in the same place every time. If you do that, you won't look for them. And so it is in our lives. Little things, spiritually, in your inner being can become so difficult and take so much energy from you and frustrate you no end just because there's no order. And then you want to give up. Then many times people want to make radical decisions and make radical choices. They, they want to sell their homes and move to other places or, or quit their job and find other jobs or quit their family and find other families and they want to do all these radical things just because order has moved to disorder because we've not sorted it out. But every now and then just sit on your backside and sort out your life. One of the tricks I've learned in my life is because I've got so many things that I have to attend to is sometimes I start feeling a bit overwhelmed. There's so much that I have to do. Then I just make a list. I just write down everything I have to do. And then I just order them. Simple little thing. And it's amazing how I can move from feeling discouraged, feeling frustrated, feeling overwhelmed to feeling, okay, I can do this just by, because I've made a list. Now, I'm not saying everybody that'll work for, but you have to find mechanisms to say, how do I make sure that this disorder that naturally will want to creep into my life, that I stop it and my life becomes a life of increasing order? Because God is a God of order. If Jesus is by His Spirit in our lives, our lives should become more and more God's order. I'm not talking perfectionism. I'm not talking, you know, living in little boxes and, you know, I'm talking God's order. More and more our lives become lives that show the order, the beauty of God. Remember when Jesus drove out the, the demons out of the madman of Gadara? He said this, he said, and the Holy Spirit will come, clean up and set in order. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. I'm so glad for the Holy Spirit in my life. How He orders my life for me. And that I can have time and energy to spend on other things because He's brought to the substance, the foundations of our lives that can be order. Sort out. Genesis 1 verse 1 to 2. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Even the earth was at a point, a place of disorder. And the Spirit of God is not afraid of disorder. If there's chaos in your life, if there's disorder in your life, it's okay. You have all the right things you need, they're just not in the right places. Just say, Holy Spirit, come and move over my life. And allow Him and He will bring order into your disorder. With your help again, with Him speaking and you obeying and doing, but order. You don't have to do such radical things a lot of the time. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. If you can do it for the earth, you can do it for me. Amen? Hey? Come on, let's think about that. If God could organize the whole earth, can He do it for you? But you know what I find beautiful about the creation story? 
is God made the heavens and the earth, the Holy Spirit moved over the earth, God spoke light, separated from darkness, the oceans from the earth, He brought order, He put everything in its right place. And then when He finished, He said, it is good, it's very good. And then He went over to Adam and He said, now it's yours. I'm trusting my order into your hands. And essentially what God was saying to Adam when he was saying, you tell the garden, you look after the garden, you name the animals. He was saying to him, you take the order that I've brought and you make it even more beautiful. Wow. What an amazing thought. That God chose that we are his partners. We work together with him when it comes to bringing order into disorder. God will not do it on his, on his own. We can't do it. It's together. It's an amazing joining of partnerships that God entrusted this world to us. And he said, you will steward it. You will make sure that order remains in this world. We live in a time where for many people, it almost feels like people are saying the planet will be better off if the humans leave. If we just leave the planet to its own, then it'll heal itself. But that was not the way God designed it. God made the planet, He said it's good, and then He said, but now man must come and make this even better. We are still in that, now I know we've done a terrible job of it, because of our sin and our brokenness and our selfishness and our greed, we've destroyed this earth instead of looking after it. But the answer is not to get rid of man, it's for man to come into God's order and to that relationship with God, and together we can make this beautiful. That's God's plan. Not only for this world, but for our lives. As you may be going into a new season, what is God saying to you? What do you need to sort out? What do you need to get ready and in place? And the last one, sort of all the both of the two previous ones helps with this one, is prepare for the next. Clean up, sort out, and prepare for the next. Got a son that's finished school, waiting for his marks this week, and then he's hopefully off to varsity if everything goes according to plan. And now he's got to prepare for the next. He's got some work that he has to do that the varsity sent him, you know, some orientation work. He's to prepare for the next. We have to go buy clothing. We, he's, got in, he's having to get his driver's license. There's preparation that he has to do so that he can go into the next. If your life is in chaos and confusion and disorder reigns, you cannot prepare for the next. But when you allow God with you bring order, then you can prepare for the next and you can step forward into the more that God has for you. In Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says the following, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. That's a wonderful word, prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God took the invisible and made the visible out of it. But it took a time of preparation. The word prepare is a Latin word. It means to before the time, get things ready. Well, we go, there's a great linguistic language. You didn't know that. Before the time, get things ready. That's what the word prepare means. And when, we, when God's order is in our lives, we can start preparing because then we're not dealing with the past all the time and all our energy is spent on the past and the present, but we actually get to a place where we can say, now I'm preparing for the next. I'm putting things in order, not only for today, but for what is to come tomorrow. God has prepared you. Ephesians 2 verse 10 said that He created you and prepared you for good works. Before you were made, He made you ready for the good works that He wanted to do in your life.
You've been prepared. But now if chaos comes into your life and order moves into disorder, you cannot step into that which God has prepared you for. But if you live in God's order and He, and he works in you by His Spirit and He brings out of the invisible, He makes things visible, He does this amazing thing in our lives and He prepares us for the next. I don't want to just live reactionary. I want to live proactive in God. I want to live being ready. The the church should be the people of tomorrow, today already. We always should be one step ahead because we're God's people. Because God prepares. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. And this is the verse I would like you to remember and take with you. It says the following. He has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time, God makes everything beautiful. Sometimes it takes time to make something beautiful. We sang this morning when we prayed through, you know, in in the new wine forms because the grape gets crushed. And sometimes when you're in the time of the crushing, you're thinking, it's all going, you know, to pieces. There's no hope. Life is falling apart. But God is actually in His time making something beautiful. If we stay in His order, if we stay in His plan, we will get to the beautiful. In his time, in its time. But this is also important. He has also set eternity in the human heart. You know, when God made you and me, he gave us the capacity to understand eternity. He put it in our hearts. The ability to see the big picture, to see the beginning from the end, to see what God was doing. That's why people like Noah could understand rain before it rained. Because he knew things because God put eternity in in his heart. And this is how God, if we live in the order of the Spirit of God, we begin to know things that are not common knowledge because the Spirit of God prepares us. That's why I say we should be ahead in your job, in your home. There should be a sense of you being ahead of of things just a little bit. You anticipate, you see things before they come because of the order of God. Because before God does anything, doesn't the Scripture say, He makes it known to His prophets. And we are in that time. We are the time of, the, of God's people. We are living in, this, in the time that we are God's people. We can see and hear and know things. But the scripture goes on and it says, Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That is not a statement of fact. That's a statement of remorse. That's a statement saying, Even though God gave us this ability, none of us can do it because we're all so consumed with our own nonsense. We're all so living our lives, so focused on these little things that God can't prepare us for the more that He has for us. God is busy making things beautiful in in His time. If you stay with Him, if you consistently just say, Lord, have your way. If you follow these steps, and I, I do this consistently in my own life. I practically take times to clean up, sort out, and prepare. Clean up, sort out, prepare. So that I can be a step ahead, so that I can be ready for what God wants to do. And I want to encourage you, take some time over these next days and over this week and just say, Lord. Now, when it comes to cleaning up, I want to guarantee you, you already know the things that you should get rid of. They're already there in your heart. Well, I, I do. But I still go and sit before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything that you want to make me aware of? 
over this holiday time as I was just quiet, just re- very relaxed way, spending time with the Lord, He started speaking to me, saying, this is in your heart. It's found a way into your heart. It's crept in. It's becoming a little bit of a threat. You need to take care of it. You need to master it. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, help me. How do I do? Give me the strategies. Give me the plans. How do I deal with this? Clean up. Then sort out. Make sure the right things are in the right places. Your priorities are set in order. You're giving the right amount of attention to the right, amount of th- to the right things. That there's not one thing in your life that gets so much attention, but it should actually only be getting a little bit of attention. That's sometimes the order we have to bring. You can pray about that. And then lastly, say, Lord, what are, what are you leading me into? What's the next? Help me start preparing my heart for what you want to do. Because I'm not living for myself, I'm living for your kingdom. I wonder if you can stand with me as I finish this service. I would really hate it if you experienced what I shared with you today as some way making you feel heavy and depressed and and condemned and like, oh, I've come so far, I've, I've failed. If you feel anything like that, may it be a conviction from the Lord to say, hey, let me help you. But there's always hope for us. God can bring order to this world. He can make nothing become something. In God, disorder becomes order. And He can do it in our lives. So let's close our eyes and can I just pray a prayer? And in your heart, just agree with me in this prayer. Lord, we come to you, and we know our dependence on you. We know how much we need you, Lord. We can't breathe and live without you. We, we've got no hope without you, Lord. Without you, our lives will descend into great disorder and chaos. Even though we may be perfectionist and think we've got it all organized and ordered, and, and we've got it all clean, and it will still be chaos, because it's chaos in your order. It's only with you, Lord, that we can have your order. So I pray for us right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us, that if there's cleaning up that needs to be done, help each of us, Lord, to clean up. Let us not be asleep. Let us not be misled and not see the little vines that are creeping in, the little things that are entangling that are starting to steal an energy and starting to take away from us. Let us recognize them. Let us clean up, get rid of those things, Lord. Thank you for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That through the Word we can get rid of these things. And I pray that for each of us, Lord. Let us not f- I pray for any person that feels powerless, that feels like they don't know what to do. I pray right now in the Spirit of God that they would sense that you are with them and that you will lead them and that you will help them. And that if they need help, they can talk to somebody else. But let, let us not f- fall victim, Lord, of this. But let us, like you said to Cain, do well and rule over the sin that wants to entangle us, Lord. Lord, I pray that if we need to sort out a few things, perhaps there's relationships that need sorting out. Perhaps there's our life's order, our life's, the way we're living our lives, what we committed to, what we, what we devoted to, what we're giving affection and attention to. Perhaps there's order that needs to come into those things. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to order our lives. Not according to some man's standard, but according to your will, Lord. Let us order our lives. Help us, Lord. 
I pray that any person that may be here that may feel confused, that may feel burdened by just the heaviness and and frustration and, and feeling like they need to do something radical to change everything. Lord, I pray that that let us not act out of our own flesh, but allow you to guide us and lead us, Lord. Sometimes little keys open big doors. Give us the order that you want in our lives, Lord. And then lastly, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to prepare for the next. That we would not be people that just live re- in, in reaction and to every moment, but that we will be people that respond to the Spirit of God. That, that, that we would have the capacity and the ability in our lives to prepare for the next. To get ready to, to, to step into what you have planned for us. Thank you for 2019, Lord. For the new things that you have planned for us as a community, as a people, as a nation. And Lord, we want to be as your people. We want to be ready. So help us with that, Lord. And Lord, then I just pray for every person here today. I pray that, as you said in the ministry mic time, that perfect love drives away all fear. I pray that all fear will be driven from us right now in Jesus' name. That you love us, Lord. You love us. And like you did with Adam, and you gave him the garden, and you said, now you go and steward it. Thank you that you've given us our lives, and you've given us this world, and we can steward in your grace and in your power. But let us not fear, Lord. Let us be people of hope, of faith, of trust. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you this morning. If you would like somebody just to pray with you, perhaps you're feeling this is a key moment and you just need to respond and say, just pray with me in this area of my life. Come forward. I'm going to ask that our elders and prayer people just be here pastors that we can pray for people if you want to say i need to make a wholesale change in my life in the sense that i've lived for myself but i want to start living for jesus come talk to one of them and they'll help you to to just pray that prayer and to bring god's order into your life may you have a wonderful day remember 11 o'clock tomorrow night we'll be leading into the new year's time together and if you want to join for that please do that but the lord bless you and uh, we'll see you in the new year amen